Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. Women think that tremendous competence, excellence in your job will propel you forward. And it's a complete myth. Well, Linda Smith is the meanest woman alive, according to her own publicity. And she is the guest on the Women in Leadership podcast this week. Linda has a Facebook following of over 423,000 under the title, The Meanest Woman Alive, so she's easy enough to find. Linda's funny, worldly wise, and has some killer lines that you're free to borrow for those times when you get talked over at meetings or when you feel you're being bullied or mansplained. God help us. I'm on a crusade because I think women have the power as women to run the world because women have unique assets, advantages as women, what I call our kick assets, that make us ideally suited to lead. The three aspects of emotional intelligence, she says, are that we can read minds, we can play well with others, and we understand how emotions influence decisions. Linda believes women have the ability to decode another person's perceptual screen, how they see the world, and that this is a huge advantage. Once you can figure out where a person is coming from, you can modulate your response. Linda Smith believes we need to unleash our power and lead the world. Uh, Men still think they run the world and men still think they dictate the rules. And as long as women continue to play by a male playbook, we're going to lose. Time's up for women um, to play by this male playbook where they run the world and where we serve them. But that isn't the easiest thing in the world to do, as we've seen. But maybe Linda has the key, or at least can point us in the right direction. One element is confidence and self-belief. And Linda recommends a book by Claire Shipman called The Confidence Code. The person who speaks with the, and acts with the most self-confidence will be perceived as the leader and will, and will get promoted. Linda believes it's all about sex. So if you want to hear out why, stay tuned. So I'm joined today by Linda Smith, notorious Linda Smith, who's got the reputation of being the meanest woman alive. Now, I don't believe that. But tell me, why are you the meanest woman alive, Linda? I probably stand 4'10", and I have big blonde hair and a curvaceous figure. And men unconsciously label me as a blonde bimbo. At least they used to when I was younger. Big mistake, all right. Foolish man. I am one of the top women litigators in the United States. It's very difficult as a woman to be a trial lawyer and to have a nationwide reputation. So you can probably count the number of us on on two hands, maybe one and a half hands. And what happened is that um, Corporate Board Member Magazine, which is a publication that goes out to the Fortune 500 board members, did a profile on me and called me the meanest woman alive. And it stuck. Um, And my clients love it because when I'm representing them on gigantic cases with billions of dollars at stake and their companies at stake, they love to say to their board, I'm represented by the meanest woman alive and her law firm, O'Melvaney & Myers. And I view myself as a gladiator for my client. I protect them, I defend them. So I'm professional and fun to deal with, and it's only when they are attacked or someone lies or misrepresents the facts of the law, then I become mean. 
And if anyone messes with my clients and doesn't have integrity, I will go after them hammer and tong. And what I say to people is, I am the meanest woman alive. As long as you uh, behave professionally and with integrity, you're fine. And do not all people behave with integrity? I mean, surely people don't lie in law firms and in business, really? Oh, surely they don't, like all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, and and the thing is, uh, it would be crazy for anybody anybody to be a one-speed bitch or once we we in the united states we call meanest to mean aggressive and that's a whole other story which i could go into forever about how men are never told they're too aggressive but women are told they're too aggressive or too bossy you know things that never would happen to a man what what do you say to uh, somebody when they say you're too bossy i say i'm the boss not a girl i'm not bossy i'm the boss um and and also, if I feel like it, I say, have you ever been called too bossy? I mean, the, the things that propel a man forward in society are their aggressiveness, their assertiveness, their powerfulness, their bossiness, their dominance. And if women exhibit those tendencies, they're criticized for them. And it doesn't matter how senior you are and how powerful you are, you still get that. And I'm sure there are, you know, but, but I want to say, you know, I, I'm a mother. I'm a, I was a wife for 27 years. Um, I was a stepmother. I have friends. I have colleagues. I have waiting lists of people to get on my cases because I'm really fun to work with. I demand excellence, but we have a great time. So it's not, I'm not an unpleasant person who walks around just being, you know, one of these when a bitch all the time, I'm one of these people who is just fine, except when I when I get crossed or you know they. It's not just lying; it's when someone takes a position that really misrepresents what's going on, or they attack my clients. Um, uh, I just I will just go be me. I will I will be tough as hell. And when I'm mean, just just it is another whole issue. I did a I did a post on my website which says. When has being told to calm down ever caused you to calm down? When has be, being told you're hysterical ever worked? I mean, telling a woman she's hysterical is like the, the way to make sure that she can't win. If you get angrier, you're more hysterical. If you be quiet, you're, you know, I don't know. You, once you're told that, you can't. Well, the same thing with being you know, with being mean, you can't just, I just don't go around being mean. I'm a, I'm a lovely person generally. I'm very good to my caring of my friends and they to me. But, you know, when it's appropriate, I'm tough. Yeah. I don't so both of those crap. comments, you know, what you're just saying about being a bitch or about, uh, you know, what you've zoned in is that men will come say, well, you have an emotion, hysteria or anger. It's like women aren't allowed to have emotions that are strong and they, they will you know nobody would attack a man about having a strong emotion one way or another they'd be admired well if you want yes and if you want if you want me to get into this for a minute and you can tell me if this is not the right place my view is our ability to have emotions is what makes us superior leaders and so i just want to say this for one second and if this is not where you want to go right now that's fine um i believe that i'm on a crusade because i think women have the power as women to run the world. 
because women have unique assets, advantages as women, what I call our kick assets, that make us ideally suited to lead. Uh, men still think they run the world, and men still think they dictate the rules. And as long as women continue to play by a male playbook, we're going to lose. And so I want women to jettison the rules of male dominance, perpetuated by men, and use an entirely different playbook, one written by a woman for women. And I've written a playbook like that. And But I, it's not just that. It's also I want to tell women that we had, can harness our natural talents as women to dominate in business. And so the basis of this, and please stop me if I'm if I'm on my soapbox, but no, women you're singing have our language, you're singing our tune. It's perfect. Great. Okay, women have women have been proven to have higher emotional intelligence. And this is something that we knew. Women knew it, but no one else did. And then they came up with these these studies and they had the they had 12 criteria for what constitutes a great leader and out of the 12 criteria some of which were you know not they're not the soft skills like warm and cuddly or friendly or they're all the skills you know analysis and decision making etc and also you know an ability to get along with people and out of the 12 criteria for leadership women outscored men on 11 of the 12 and the conclusion they made is that women have have incredible leadership abilities and we just don't know it and we're not tapping into them and using them. And here's how I get to the emotion thing. So the, the three aspects of emotional intelligence that make women uniquely suited for leadership is we can read minds and I'll explain. We play well with others. And we understand how emotions influence decisions. And that, that just made it, what triggered it is you're talking about something that's an emotional thing. What I mean is that women have the ability, and we've always had it, it's just that um, women have the ability to decode what I call another person's perceptual screen so that um, you know, it, 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 their perceptional screen is sort of all their experiences, beliefs, opinions, personality traits, how they, the filters through which they see the world. So if I'm interacting with a man, I'm evaluating how he thinks and what he cares about. So does he value integrity or feel like the end justifies the means? Would he rather talk it out or see it written down in black and white? Can he laugh at himself or is he humorous and, or, and arrogant? Um, is this someone who characterizes people by their social status in a social hierarchy or so that uh, secretaries and junior staffers are less worthy? Does he believe he has no equals? So once you figure out where this person is coming from, you can adjust your personality to them. And by that, I don't mean we... Um, I don't mean prostituting yourself or changing who you are. So if they're a racist, you become a racist, for example. But basically, you can you can modulate your approach so you can avoid triggering negative reactions or misunderstanding. And women do this all the time. And it's it it is an incredibly important skill in connecting with people um, and leaders and CEOs and et cetera. 
So you just have to understand. So that's that's sort of uh, that's part of it is this ability to see each person through their own perceptual screen. But if women are better leaders and they have all these extra skills, which I would agree most of us do have, how come we have Putin in Russia, Donald Trump in America, Macron, but the only person I can think of is Theresa May. So, you know, why aren't women getting to the top? We see with Hillary Clinton that, she, you know, she, she got more votes, but she didn't win. And, you know, we can see those alpha male characteristics and the likes of Donald Trump and, and other males around the world, you know, the bully boy technique. Why does it win? We've seen it happen in the office. We've seen, you know, and, you know, that was, that's part of one of the question. And then, you know, like, why are they getting there? But then when you meet somebody like this alpha male in work, how do you combat it as, you know, just as a person, as a woman in her own working space, you meet these alpha males, how do you combat it? That is such a huge question. I know. know. Give us us some of your expertise. I mean, if you think about it, it's something, I mean, I don't have the time it started. So let, let's just choose, I heard someone else choose this, 200,000 years ago, okay? you. I was alive, you probably weren't. And um, um, so, um, you know, you start out back there and it's all about sex. Um, and I mean intercourse, because back in the caveman days, a man could spread his sperm wherever he wanted, but if the woman got pregnant, she had a nine months to carry the baby, then she had to, to care for the infant and bear, nurture, protect, and feed the children. So they went into this whole thing where men were out there hunting and women took care of the children and, you know, did the farming. And that's lovely because, you know, it that's sort of how it started. Fast forward 200,000 years, everyone buys their food at the grocery store. Um, and, you know, met, uh, I think over 50% of the workforce is now women. And so, but we're stuck. We're stuck, not not us. I, th- I don't think it's our fault, but I think we are completely stuck in this um, male dominance. Men run the world. Women are there to serve them. Um, and you know, you end up, you end up in a, in a society where you have all the, where you there actually, let me just tell you on the, and I have a, a blog that's coming out on this on my thing, but on my, uh, Facebook page, but there on the front page of the New York times two days ago, there was a picture. They asked people all over the world and at all levels to draw a picture of a leader, a leader. And they all drew a white man in a business suit. There's a surprise. All this time later, that the reason I'm on this mission is because nothing has changed. And I've, I've been practicing for 40 years, and I can go into a lot of boring facts and figures. But, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, you know, there's like 15, 15 CEOs of the Fortune 500 are women. And... After all this time, um, you know, only 17% of, you know, of 16%, excuse me, of women, uh, of, of women are partners at law firms. And 7% of, that, of venture capital recipients are owned by women. I mean, it's, it's all, it's, the progress is not being made. And that's why I want to, not single-handedly, but 
with other women. We need to unleash our power and change the world. Yeah, but it's very hard to wrangle it from the hands of the men, isn't it? It's very difficult to wrangle that power. They, they don't want to give it away. <laughs> you can understand why. No, they don't. They don't. And, and, and think, think about this for a minute. Um, when I don't know if there's any difference in Ireland or elsewhere, but um, in the United States, when you're in your childhood, girls are taught to be good little girls, to behave like a lady, to defer to the boys, to secure approval by pleasing grown-ups, and not to be bossy, outspoken, aggressive, or disruptive. And meanwhile, boys will be boys. They face permissive attitudes about roughhousing, hitting, yelling, interrupting, pushing other kids aside. I mean, it, it's, it starts very young. And from there on, it just perpetuates. And, I, you know, I've had enough. And I think women, have, you know, when this Time's Up movement, Me Too and Time's Up are about sexual harassment. And I'm completely on board, of course, with all of that and have many tales to tell. But I think Time's Up in general, Time's Up for women to, you know, for women to be subordinate to men. Time's up for women um, to play by this male playbook where they run the world and where we serve them. Yeah, but how do we change that playbook? I mean, I totally agree with you, um, but I can see huge changes already. And I think social media, you know, what you were partly referring to there, the whole advent of Twitter, the Me Too, the hashtags, the Facebooks, women are now realizing that they're not alone. Literally, Me Too. That, you know, that a lot of, we've suffered in silence, we've been compliant, we've sat back, deferred to the men all over these years. And now we're realizing, hey, why did I wait so long? And, you know, why did I, I the, the thing that bugs me the most is what I call the mid-career bypass. You see women, and it doesn't matter whether they've had children or not, but they're in their 30s, maybe coming up to 40. And maybe they've started in a bank and there's been 50% women, 50% men at recruitment. Then they get to about 25, 30, the men start getting promoted all the way up the rank. And it happens in law firms as well. Sometimes the women pull back without any reason either as well, because they think, well, I don't want to make partner because if I do, I'm going to have to do all this extra work and I'm going to have to have all this time and I won't be able to have a family like I really want or I won't be able to travel. You know, they're thinking things through. And meanwhile, the boys just say right past them. So career-wise, what advice can you give to women well, I that that will be three hours, so or maybe six. But let, let me just say this. Um, I know you have a book coming out, so I'm going to refer to no, that it's too. Not bad, and I do, and I and it goes through this, and it gives a lot of um, ways. But I think if I were to say, if I were to say one thing, it would be that women think that tremendous competence excellence in your job will propel you forward and it's a complete myth what propels people forward to higher positions and by the way I thought I was writing my book for people just out of school but it turns out I am more focused because on women in their 30s and 40s who are stuck either they decide they're going to get out of the workplace or they're overqualified for their job or they're just not getting promoted and they're, they're seeing men of lesser ability get promoted over them. So I agree with this. What, what women need is a healthy um, injection of self-confidence. And since 
I always say, wouldn't it be nice if you know you could have like like uh, you know Windows 1.0? We could have we could all install self esteem 2.0 or self confidence 3.0 or whatever, and just have it. But um, what 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 women don't understand is that the person who speaks with the and acts with the most self confidence will be perceived as the leader and will and will get promoted. And um, it so I have a whole part about that, and I also have a part about develop self confidence because it just doesn't, you know, what they found, and this is a whole bunch of studies. I'm not just talking, you know, uh, without authority, um, is that you can build your self confidence. For example, if you're afraid to speak, then you make yourself. By the way, I'm a big. I'm also a big proponent of what I call fake it till you make it, which is you know act self confidently, act the part, even if you don't feel it inside. Um, go out there and act like you're you're confident. Hold yourself confidently. Uh, look people in the eye. There's all this, all these visuals, and also the way you just you know don't 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 talk just to talk but don't sit at the table and speak your piece if you have something to say and don't let yourself get interrupted and I have an entire chapter on how to prevent being man-rupted um, <laughs> but um, so it, if you're afraid of speaking uh, and I think women are so afraid of failure we think that if we if we do something wrong we're gonna the world's gonna open up and swallow us or we'll just we'll be ruined I mean so we're not accustomed to, to failing and getting up again and failing and getting up again whereas guys do that all the time in sports including like just take that as an example you lose the game or you, you screw it up you screw up whatever you're supposed to be doing next time you'll do it better or maybe you won't you know but so um, with resilience. A, with a it's, it's that resilience. It's like a muscle. The more you use it, the tougher it gets. Yeah, I have this whole thing about true grit and resilience. And I also have, I mean, the thing is, I it, this covers so many topics, but let me just say this one thing about self-confidence. And that is, if you, um, if you are afraid to speak, then you make yourself speak to an audience of, say, five or ten people. Okay. And you discover a couple things. The world doesn't. It, let's say you're great. That's lovely. Let's say you're terrible. The world doesn't open up and swallow you. Everyone doesn't pelt you with tomatoes or you know tell you that was the worst thing they ever heard. I mean, if they could just be sort of mad about it, which mad is a big word in the United States. Yeah, I hear too. Yeah. But yeah, you know, okay. Uh, but assuming you, assuming that it's goes okay, which doesn't mean goes brilliantly, it just goes okay, then try a group of 20, then try a group of 50, and you'll you'll see that as you do it, you acquire self-confidence, and so it's really taking action, and action um, is like reinforcing action, so that once you, once you start, it's always the starting that's hard, but once you start by taking an action, um, that reinforces your ability to take another one and another one and another one. And that's how I think we can acquire self-confidence. I have all sorts of, I have lists and lists and chapters on all this stuff, but I just think that 
it is how you know you ever see there's even um i'm, I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit different but it just just reminds me of it you ever see a woman who is not that attractive but just sort of rocks it yep like she walks in a room and she it's not like she's like a sex magnet or anything but she just seems like she's got it together she she acts like she likes herself she she thinks she looks good she projects positivity you know it's just sort of like you like her you know or you envy her or whatever but you know you you see that you know there's just certain people who can who you know are saying you know i rock it and I think you're right. I think that's a huge part of, you know, the self-esteem is literally esteem for yourself. Say, I like myself, you know. I was talking to students recently and some young kids, and I don't know if it's the same in the States, they don't like making a telephone call. They much prefer to, you know, and hearing another voice, particularly the girls, but the boys too. They won't make a phone call, but they'll text someone, they'll email, but using their own voice sort of terrifies them making a phone call. So I was with a bunch of students. I said, look, this is how you do it. So I picked up the phone. I called a company. I said, we need six tickets to go to such and such a show. My students are journalism students, and they're going to be, um, you know, writing about your prize. And they said, how many tickets do you want? <laughs> you know? And so they were very kind, really nice uh, group. So I hung up the phone, and the students looked at me in awe and said, like, how did you do that? And I said, well, you oh, started off with but the assumption that the... I like me, and I assume they're going to like me too, because we can help each other out here. Well, that's right. And the thing is, if you really don't like yourself, still act like you like yourself, is what I'm saying. Brilliant. And it actually, and I have all these ways that you can work with this, and all these, all these triggers that'll help you, because I believe I have, there's two demons that women are fighting. One is external sexism which is the world is run by men, it's a patriarchy, etc. And the other is internal uh, demons, that is the internalization of all of this do male dominance. And so women uh, self-sabotage. We suffer from self-doubt, uh, we question our abilities, we downplay our achievements, we're afraid to take risks and fail, as I just said earlier. Uh, we feel like we might be frauds, we're underestimating ourselves. We are unable to rely on past achievements. So instead of resting, instead of ascribing our success to our innate abilities and skills like men do, instead we ascribe it to luck or some or others. And we we hold ourselves back because we allow our fears to prevent us from going forward. And all of this has been. Um, tested. In fact, I read there's a lovely book called The Confidence Code. It's by hmm, I think it's Shipman, Claire Shipman, and Katie something. I can I can find out if, if your readers are interested. Sure. But they they went and talked to all the they tried to figure out how women can develop confidence, and they they looked at by they talked to scientists, they did biology, they did psychology they did all these kinds of things and they they talked to people like um christine laguerre um or lagarde yep, um, and uh, and the and angela merkel and uh hillary clinton and a force the first four-star u.s women general in the army and um and all and they found that all these women despite having achieved 
pinnacles of power all suffer from severe self-doubt and private self-confidence issues. And so, for example, what uh, Clinton and um, Lagarde do is they over-prepare for every meeting. They make sure they understand every issue, up, down, sideways, backwards, so that they, no one will ever be able to say about them, they, they didn't get it, or they didn't understand, or they, they, you know, they're not on top of this subject. So that e, it's it's KDK and Claire Shipman, and I I'm not pushing their book, but it's just like this is what Cheryl Sandberg said in an interview. You can you can be the boss and still be terrified, still have the desire to make everyone comfortable. I do still struggle with self confidence, whereas my male colleagues' self confidence never seems shaken by people disagreeing with them, and I do always want to be liked, even when it's. I know it's not possible for everyone to agree with me and I need to make hard decisions. Okay, so the thing is, that's exactly right. Women really want to be liked. Yeah, um, and I interviewed a wonderful woman, Catherine Kyo. Uh, she worked with a big Irish company here on an international basis. But she said, you don't need to be liked. You need to be respected. And I think that's a huge learning curve for women. And this particular woman is very much liked, but she, first of all, she's respected. I think that's a big learning curve for a woman. Yes, I totally agree. And the thing is, it's not that doesn't mean and I know you're I know you're saying the same thing I am mm -hmm. being respect not not caring about being liked but being respected does not mean I want to be an unlikable person who's a bitch in other words I'm respected because I'm feared you can still be um, you can still be as I said about the meanest woman alive you can still be a basically an, a likable person um, but you have to, you have to, um, you have to have self confidence and assume that what you're saying matters, and assume that what you're doing matters. Don't let yourself get interrupted. Don't let yourself be have men trot all over you. And if you're if you're in business, and I, you know, I'm speaking to all women, but if you're in any kind of business, you can be in a meeting, and not only could you be interrupted. But have you ever been in a meeting where you come up with an idea and everyone doesn't pay any attention to it, and then a man comes up with the same exact idea and everyone thinks it's great, and you're like, uh, "That was my idea," you know? I mean, so you really have to, you really have to push back on that. How do you make your voice heard, and how do you hang on? How do you in stop somebody interrupting you, literally interrupting your thoughts train? Do you say, "Hang on a minute, I'm speaking." Or how do you, you know, that mansplaining? How do you overcome that? Well, I I have a lot of a lot of ways, and I have I have blogs and chapters on this, just because I'm very interested in the whole phenomena. But um, let me also tell you one thing before I tell you this: um, there are three women on the United States Supreme Court, and that really, for a woman lawyer or any woman of any person. Um, is a very, very high position to achieve, and um, it, it is really the pinnacle of success in the legal world. And they did a study, uh, this is just recently, that the male justices interrupt the female justices three times more than they interrupt each other, and that um, men arguing before the Supreme Court will also interrupt women justices, which is never done to the men, ever. 
And it, to me, it was sort of astonishing. And they also found that um, that the more women were on the court, the more interruptions, not less. Okay, so that seems very counterintuitive to me. And that what the women learned is just as Sotomayor would say, look, she'd start out by saying, excuse me, but, or she'd start out with something that would be... Um, polite. Yeah, polite. And now she just forgets it. So here, here's, here's a couple of things. One, do not yield the floor and call out any man who interrupts you. So you have to have sort of a zero tolerance policy for interruption. When you're interrupted, shut the man down politely but firmly. Say there are a few more essential. There are a few more essential points I need to make. Hold on to that thought, and we'll turn to it as soon as I'm done. <laughs> or I know I will appreciate your feedback, but please hold off until I'm done. Or you can say you can try to make him feel like he's not he's not really doesn't have the whole picture yet. You can say, hold on, I need to give you the full picture before you respond. <laughs> Um, or you need to let me finish because I may already have a resolution for your concerns. And then if that all fails, you just say, you'll have a chance to speak, but wait till I'm finished. Or stop interrupting me and let me finish. Or I'm not done speaking here. Or I'm sure your view is very important, but so is mine. And um, so that's the first thing. Then drop the caveats, because if you hedge, if you do not apologize ever before you speak, the word sorry should be banished from your vocabulary. Men never say I'm sorry. Women sometimes preface their remarks with things like, in my opinion, or I'm not sure, but I think. Do not do that. Do not caveat what you're saying. Um, okay, remember that body language matters. Now, as I said, I'm a shorty. But you need to lean forward at the table, uh, point to the person you've chosen to acknowledge for a comment, or stand up and walk to the front of the room. Um, you need to look them in the eye. So you, you can't make your comments sort of looking away or looking down at a piece of paper, or, or you need to be assertive. And then be pay attention to your word choices because um, Women tend to use more affirmative, engaging speech and relate experiences and emotions. And that's why like, the women on the Supreme Court were saying, may I ask or excuse me? And they just the women would just jump in on top of them. So when you're speaking, words like use words like I know instead of believe or I will instead of might. And then the other Okay, a couple more things. I don't know if you want to hear them all. Just sure, keep just, going. This is great is, stuff. <laughs> okay. Stop nodding and agreeing. There's a real difference if you're... I found this fascinating, but uh, women nod when someone is talking, and what that means to the woman is, go on, I hear you. Go on, I'm listening. It's, in fact, you're nodding. I can see you. You can see me. No, they can't see us, but you're just nodding because that's what people, that's what women do. You just nod. It just means go on. Well, men think when you nod, you're agreeing with them, and you're not. You're not. You're just saying it's just a social facilitation thing. So women's habits of politeness and social facilitation are misconstrued as supporting the man. Uh, 
speak up. You don't have to yell, but you have to be heard. And you can't be too meek. And I'm not saying you scream. <laughs> That'd be terrible. And, you know, my voice is not deep. And, in fact, my mentor, when I got to Omelvany, was 6'5", and had a voice that was very similar to James Earl Jones, um, who people Star know Wars, yeah. Star yeah, Wars. CNN. Yeah. Dark Vader, you know, but it was, like, very deep and very <laughs> commanding. He was physically commanding, and his voice was very commanding. You just have to be, again, it's sort of that rocket, rock yourself, self-confident, where you, you do it with authority, you don't pitch your idea so tentatively that it gets pushed over. Tell me and, about uh, what you were saying about uh, you went to Old Mel. Is that what you said? I didn't know whether I heard you properly. Was this your college that you went to? Where did you meet this person that sounded like... No, no, no. When I got to my law firm, okay. my mentor was um, was the head of our the litigation department. And we were on this gigantic case together for IBM for half a billion or a billion dollars. And we lived, we all, it was 17 of us and we lived in San Francisco for a year and tried the case. And he was really my mentor. And he was 6'5", maybe 6'6", blonde, uh, sort of a grown-up version of a surfer dude. I don't know. I don't know if people in Ireland are going to know what that means, but I think you got it. And um, but you know, not surfer dude like you, you always think of them as dumb. But he was very good looking in a very California-ish way, um, and he had this deep booming voice that was just so. When he walked into a room, he was physically commanding by his stature and his body language, and then he had a voice that took over. And you really couldn't speak over him. It was very hard. And so here I'm 4'10", lots of blonde hair, little voice. You just have, and so you just have to, I couldn't be him. And it would be a joke for me to pretend to use his mannerisms. And I have this whole thing in the book about how when I got to my law firm, there were, there were no women mentors. So I, there were no women leaders. So there was nobody I could look at and say, you know, I want to act like them or I want to take this quality from this person and this quality from that person. I just had to make it up myself. But all you have to do, and I know that when I say all you have to do is a huge thing, again, is just be self-confident. Speak with assurance. Carry yourself with assurance. Fake it till you make it. Just establish yourself. Now, there's, a, there's another thing that's just a trick, and it you have to be a a certain position in your life to be able to do this. I have a trick that I do because I end up in times when there are 25 co-defendants. All the motion picture studios are being sued together. And so, and I'm representing Warner Brothers. And so there's 25 egos in the room and I'm the only woman. And the other 20, all of us think we're you know, the greatest thing God ever invented. So you've got, the egos are so big you can't even see how they fit into the conference room. So how do I establish dominance so I can take over? And I do it a couple, I do it. I do it all the time and I have a whole bunch of tricks. But the first one is I try to lead the meeting um, and I also have written out, have typed out and printed Although you could, if you don't want to use paper, you can put it up on everyone's um, computer screen. I set the agenda. So 
when you drop the agenda, you dictate the issues you want to discuss and the order in which the discussion takes place. So you've already sort of grabbed the leadership role before they even realized it, just by everyone was going to make the same points and maybe in the same order or maybe in a different order. But because you've set around the agenda and not, not too much ahead of time, right at the time when you sit down, then suddenly you're the leader. Start And you don't start out, I have this whole thing about building consensus and all sorts of other things that you do, but the more that you can control the situation at the start, the better you'll do. Great. Now, I know you have a huge following on Facebook, what, over 366,000? You didn't yes. grow that without some really good stuff on there. So give me some of your, maybe your top five, if you could, some little nuggets of advice. I know you have some gems on there. Two that are really big winners, have, have been big winners. I do substantive posts, and those are blogs about like nine ways to, de to deal with man ruption or, you know, 11 ways to deal with uh, self-sabotage. Uh, in fact, one of the posts that does well, and I, what I do is I have a picture, and then it has some words on it that are really good, and then above it I have some discussion, and then usually it gets it gets liked and shared hugely. I have one that says, underestimate me, go ahead, make my day. And then on top of it, of course, I write all sorts of things about that, but that one everyone likes, or... The other one is, she believed she could, so she did. I, and then I have one that says, um, you've been criticizing yourself for years. How's that been working for you? <laughs> Why don't you try being nice to yourself and see what happens? Because we're all, we're, we tear ourselves. And that one, I wrote a whole blog on that, but that one was a lot of fun because, of course, that, that's so true. We, you know, try, how about... Sometimes I say to myself, could I just be as nice to myself as I am to other people? Would you treat a friend the way you treat yourself? Never. Because that would be a terrible thing to do. Because we're horrible to ourselves, I think. The book is coming out on April 23rd. It's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be in paperback, um, Kindle, and Audible. And I've got a really cool woman who does a ton of these books. Who She's an audible narrator, Hall of Famer, believe it or not. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And she did the book, and she loves it. What's the book uh, called? Tell us what the book is called. It's called Smashing Glass and Kicking Ass, Lessons from the Meanest Woman Alive. If you are on Facebook, just go on The Meanest Woman Alive, all one word, and you'll get me. And I have one now that just says, tell me I can't, and I will. Um, it's a lioness, and it says, if you're in the way of my goals and my dreams, I suggest you move now. <laughs> and then I talk, then I talk about it. Um, another one that is, I am fearlessly me, and that is my superpower. Thank you for all those wonderful tips. I'm going to recommend that people buy your book and that they check out your <laughs> Facebook page because it sounds amazing. But so thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Linda. Smashing glass and kicking ass. Lessons from the meanest woman alive. That's Linda Smith's book and it's available now. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Women in Leadership. 
please keep tuning in and listening and rate us on iTunes when you have a moment. We also love to hear from you and hear your stories and we love to know what your songs are, what your go-to songs are when you want to get moving or if you need a little inspiration. Our email address is info at womeninleadership.ie. Until the next time, from me, Angie Mazzetti and all the team here, goodbye and take care. Linda's been a leading lawyer in America for many years, working on billion-dollar cases, but has taken time now to write about her experience and to give others the benefit of her life's experience in her book Smashing Glass and Kicking Ass, Lessons from the Meanest Woman Alive. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Please keep tuning in and listening to the Women in Leadership podcast. And when you have a moment, rate us on iTunes. We'd also love to hear from you and your stories and what your go-to songs are when you want to get moving or when you need a little inspiration. Until the next time, from me, Angie Mazzetti and all the Women in Leadership team, goodbye and take care.